and uh, we'll just read the one verse, verse number three, that's where we are, Matthew 5 and verse 3, if you're just joining us, just getting in on where we're at last Wednesday night, or last Sunday morning we started preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus' message, uh, start the New Testament. And Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are the three chapters covering this sermon. Uh, uh, Sunday morning we preached it. Uh, uh, Wednesday night we started the Beatitudes there in the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This morning we'll be in verse 4. If you missed any of that, go on our website. You'll find a link there to the sermons and you can, you can get that. Uh, and you'll know where we are. Uh, I'm going to embarrass my wife. Uh, stand up, or you don't have to stand up. Just sit right there. Sing that, um, sing that verse, that last verse that you just sang. Just sing it a cappella. You remember the words? No. Just find them there, and I want you to sing that. Just a cappella, sitting right there. Jesus, how could you ever love someone like me? Verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Lord Jesus, would you help us this this morning for just a minute, for a little while, as long as you see fit for preaching. Thank you for the singing this morning. Thank you for the truth of that song. Lord, no doubt written from that heart of a mourner. No doubt written from someone who has seen the reality of sin. And become honest with themselves. Here's what I am. Here's what I've done. Lord, one of the greatest, I guess the greatest thing that could happen for many this morning for that reality to become theirs. I am a sinner. Lord, thank God for salvation this morning. Thank God this morning for that free gift. But may we not forget, had it not been for grace, we'd still be lost. God, without you, I can do nothing. Lord, thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Help me. Amen. Just a reminder, these Beatitudes are really two, uh, they are two 
parts, I guess you could say. There are two thoughts as you read these nine Beatitudes. They are Christian characteristics. They are characteristics of those that are in Christ's kingdom, that which, of which he's Lord. And uh, Jesus is preaching to folks. He's not really giving a gospel presentation of how to be saved, but uh, he's showing them what character, characteristics accompany those that are saved. He's describing the product of uh, genuine conversion. Uh, but I would say this, if a man or a woman uh, begins to uh, bring into their life, or if they begin to look upon their situation with this viewpoint thus far, uh, they're probably about to get saved uh, as they recognize that they are poor in spirit, as they become poor in spirit. Uh, and then as we mourn, blessed are they that mourn. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. These are not prerequisites per se of salvation. You don't get saved by doing, you get saved by believing, but these are products of salvation. And I, I'd go as far this morning as to say that if a man or a woman has never possessed these characteristics, they've never been born again. They may have religion. The world's eat up with religion, but they've never had true conversion except they recognize at some point in their life, I am poor in spirit. We've already explained that. I've already preached that. But simply put, I cannot save myself. My religion won't save me. My works won't save me. My going to church occasionally won't save me. My gifts won't save me. My giving won't save me. My reading my Bible is a good thing, but that's not how I get saved. God, unless you do it, there is nothing in me that can merit my own salvation. Unless a person comes to that point, they've never been born again. They know all the doctrine. They may have all of it down pat. They may have Bible memorized. But salvation is a heart matter and poor in spirit is a heart matter. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We've already looked at it. I'm not trying to look at it again this morning. But then we come to this. Blessed are they that mourn. Again, this morning, if that has never been a uh, if that has never been a part of your life, there's a time or times. I believe it's continual that God will remind you of, of, of the sin. You say, I, I thought God didn't bring up my sin. I thought God had buried it. It was in the past. God didn't bring it up. And, 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 and I do believe that this morning. I do agree with that. It's, it's in the past. It's gone, never to be remembered. But the fact that I am a sinner, the fact that uh, it was my sin, uh, uh, we need a trip down memory lane to be reminded that and, and God has brought a, a spirit of somberness in here this morning during the singing and the exhortation and we need that this morning that I am sinful and apart from God's grace there's no hope for me blessed are they that mourn um, just by way of introduction this morning these are not mourning in the sense of a loss of a, lo a, loss of a loved one uh, I do believe that people mourn in loss of loved ones. I have. 
uh, I, I, I think, Brother Tripp, if you give me just a touch more monitor, please. I, I think uh, this morning that, that God uh, sees that morning. Uh, I know it does. Uh, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And, and, and if you're mourning this morning over the loss of a loved one, God knows. And, and if you're mourning this morning over, over loss in your life, or, or people that's walked out, or problems that you, you face, and I, I believe this morning that touches the very heart of God. I believe this morning that he knows. And aren't you glad that company because we have a high priest and he knows where we are. In our context of the Beatitudes as we study them all together I do not believe that that is the morning that he has in mind. It is in connection with what has previously been said and, and that is blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that come to the end of their road. Blessed are those that come to the end of their selves. Blessed are come to the end of their ability. Then he goes on, blessed are they that mourn. It is the strongest word for mourning in your King James Bible is used in this text. It is a word that, uh, that depicts uh, a godly sorrow, a deep contrition, an inward uh, breaking of, of, of oneself and one's will uh, that, that, that does come with emotion, but it's not just emotion, but it is a belief of the heart of a matter. Mourning. It is like that of mourning a loved one. Sometimes the word's used in that sense. But the, 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 the issue is not that of losing a loved one, but the issue is recognition of who you are. Jesus said, and we'll just preach it just like he said it, blessed are they that mourn. Uh, over themselves and sin like they would over the loss of a loved one. In its context, that is the context, they are, God is dealing with the righteousness of God, that righteousness uh, that, 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 that fills God's heavenly kingdom, that righteousness only a new birth uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ can bring into your life that righteousness uh, that brings forth Christ's likeness and, and in the context it is dealing with who we are and, 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 and there's two things happening as he's preaching to the disciples. There is instruction. This is how God wants you to live and to the lost there are, to the multitude there is an indictment. How can I do this? How can this be in my life? I'd say this morning to the saved folks there ought to be some indictments in this text. How long has it been since I become contrite, since I become broken over my sin? Blessed are they that mourn. Let, let, let's look at this. If you remember last, um, uh, goodness, last Wednesday night I gave you an outline. I'm going to use that same outline on all three of these or on all nine of these Beatitudes, because it works for all. Uh, first of all, this morning, I'd like for you to consider the paradox of this Beatitude. Blessed are they that mourn. 
for they shall be comforted. And again, a paradox is simply a, a, a thought that, that, that when you hear it, it is absurd. It is opposite of popular opinion, uh, and yet it's fact, it's true. So it's a paradox. This is, I, I, it's opposite of everything I've heard, and yet it's true. And this beatitude, just like its predecessor, blessed are the poor in spirit, it is a paradox. It goes against the grain of everything you've heard. It goes against the grain of everything you want. It goes against the grain of everything that you're looking for. We want to be blessed. And again, the word blessed in our text is happy, blissful. Um, it, it, it is to be uh, blessed. And that's what we want. And so when we, if we were writing the Bible, if we were coming up with the way to live a blessed life, we would say, blessed are the rich. Or blessed are the wealthy. Blessed are those who shy away from trouble. And, and how many of you this morning, you be honest, you didn't get up this morning and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to live a blessed life. Would you send trouble my way? So, and nobody signed up for that. Not me, not you, not anybody. God, I want some sorrow in my life so that I can live in the presence of God. No, 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 no. Yet Jesus said, blessed, happy, blissful, fortunate, well off are they that... It is a paradox. And it really don't make sense, does it? Are y'all with me this morning? Our natural mind, it don't, it don't make sense. When I, when I read it, I think, God, this is opposite. I've been living my, my, the last 37 years of my life trying not to mourn. I don't like going to the graveyard. I, I don't like experiencing loss. I, I don't want to be broke or broken. I don't want a bad bill of health. I, 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 I'll avoid going to the doctor just because I'm afraid they might give me one. I, ignorance is bliss, they say. I want it to be good. And yet Jesus steps on the scene and the very first message he preaches is he said, blessed are they that mourn. I guess this morning that Jesus' preaching is a whole lot different than most of our thinking. Uh, you're not going to find that at the university. I don't care which one you go to. The university is not going to teach, blessed are they that mourn. If you want to live the life, if you want to live the life for God, then you need a broken heart. Never going to be taught. Public school system is not going to teach you that, and the truth of the matter is, is the Christian school system probably hasn't taught you that either. You're not going to learn that from a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a, or a world counselor or a Christian counselor more than likely. You're not going to learn that by mom and dad. They're not going to teach you that, probably, because they don't know it. You're not going to learn that by, by, by reading the news or, or surfing Facebook or the web. You're not going to, I don't know if you surf Facebook, but you scroll Facebook. You're not going to learn that on Instagram or YouTube. You're not going to learn that in the avenues of life because nobody alive is looking for mourning in their life. It's an absurd thought to the natural man. 
what we do here. Follow your heart. And in there you'll find happiness. The problem with that, you've heard me say it often many times, the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? If you follow your heart, you'll probably find more heartache. No comfort. Um, we, 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 we hear stuff like this. Man, I, I believe in the power of positive thinking. You'll hear that in religious circles. What you need for your life, if you want to be blessed, is you need to start thinking positive. And yet Jesus said, no, that won't do it. I guess Joel Osteen might have to get another message. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't think that fits Jesus' message. If you just think, you need to think yourself out of the problem you're in. If you believe it, you'll achieve it, you'll receive it. Hogwash! Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. I think we're teaching the wrong stuff to people. Positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, good vibes. That's what the young people's looking for today. Good vibes. Man, I'm vibing. I don't know what that means, but I tried it once and it didn't work. I want good vibes in my life. I got a Beach Boy song in my head now. I'm dreaming of good vibes. I think it was the Beach Boys. That's what we. Man, no bad vibes here, only good vibes here. What that means is don't come in here with that. We all, we're happy people here. We, won't, we, we got the good vibes. But do you really? Is that really blessed? Is there really happiness in the good vibes and the positive thinking? Oh, I'm preaching this morning. If so, why are they still killing themselves? If so, why are they still drinking themselves to death? If so, why are they still looking for more and more and more and more to fill their life of the empty void that is within them? I'll tell you why. Because good vibes won't do it. A positive thinking won't get it done. A happy only is not the solution, Jesus said. Mike off my tie. Blessed. Are they that mourn? It's a paradox. Don't make a whole lot of sense to the natural man. Didn't make much sense to me before. It didn't make any sense to me before I got saved, and it don't make a whole lot now, if I'm being honest with you. I believe it. God never said you had to make sense of everything that He said, but believe. Didn't make any sense before I got saved. If you were to tell the average sinner, they said, boy, I want, I want to know something about Jesus. I want to live a blessed life. I want to, and you were to preach Jesus' message, all right, blessed are they that mourn. Uh, I don't know about your religion, but I'm going to find me one with happiness. Mm. I'm going to find me a that makes me feel good. 
Oh, y'all ain't. I'm gonna find me a. I'm gonna find me a place where the preacher's a comedian, and I don't think there's anything wrong with laughter. I, I, I'm funny sometimes. I try to be. I guess you laugh. Some of you laugh. Some of you don't. Some of you think I'm funny. Some of you never have even began to crack a smile. We want a preacher that's a comedian. We want to show. We want to. We want to leave with our all five senses being stirred. We want to feel something. We want to hear something. We want to see something. We want to smell something. There's plenty of places that will meet that need. You say, "Well, I'm blessed. I'm happy." But it's not Jesus' message. Are y'all still with me? Am I? Am I boring you today? Blessed are they that mourn. Do what makes you happy. We hear that from, from, from spouses sometimes. A husband will say to a wife, I'm just not happy with you anymore. I want to be happy. And so they'll go off, look for another one. With the false mindset that that is where happiness is. Problem is, is that one will get old like the last one got old. Wife will say that to her. You don't make me happy anymore. I'm not happy now. What I need is to be happy because that is my ultimate goal in life is me, 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 me. So I'm going to find someone. But... Ladies, you're going to find out the next one's a bum just like the last one. And at least you know the bum before. You've got to find a new one out now. I say a bum. Most ladies have a good man. Most men have a good woman if they'd quit looking everywhere else and see what God's given them. And with a little bit of help, and that's what we are, a little bit of help, we can help the one we love and are married to become more than what they ever were alone. They're looking for happiness. From children, I'm not happy here, I'm not happy in this life, or I'm not happy in church. Young people, not happy. I want to do that that makes me happy. I want to do that that makes me feel more blessed than anything else. And it is a paradox what actually Jesus said. They mourn. Jesus is teaching the opposite of anything society teaches. He's teaching the opposite of all that you've ever heard. The question is this morning, are you going to believe Jesus or what you've heard? I'm talking to you. You've got to, are you going to believe Jesus that blessed are they that mourn? Are you going to believe that over what you feel, what you think, what you've heard, what you've been taught? Um, think is that happiness lies in something new, something else, 
something that we don't have, but if we could have money, we'd be happy. If we could have these friends, we'd be happy. If we could have this life, we'd be happy. If we could have this sin, we would be happy. I want to make a statement to you this morning. I want you to hear me well. Sin and happiness are not compatible. As long as sin is running your life, I'm talking about your selfish, sinful, pride-filled life, you'll never have true blessedness and joy and happiness. They're incompatible. That's why when Jesus says to this whole multitude, better life. You're looking for a blessed life. You're looking for a life that is beyond what you have right now. You want something that you don't have, but you know it's got to be out there somewhere. But I want you to know how to get it. What you need is to come to the end of your road, poverty and spirit. Realize that you can't on your own. You have the ability and fall down before me upset over the sin that puts you in the mess. It is not a false mourning. A false mourning would be that of someone like Judas. Sold the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver after they had crucified him. He realized what he'd done or after they had taken him, Judas realized what he'd done and he goes out and he hangs himself in a false mourning. He is upset over what has been done but he's not upset over the sin that has caused it. It's the same equivalent of Saul. God confronts Saul and he said, Saul, you've sinned. God, and Saul admitted it. He said, I know I've sinned. And he explained it away. But what was I to do? I know I've sinned, but, but, but I, don't, don't, don't discipline, discipline me too bad in front of all the people. I don't want my name to be marred. I don't want my name. And what Saul didn't realize is it wasn't going to be just his name marred and marred. He was more worried about his name and what people thought of him than he was the very act that he had committed against the holy God and the judgment of God that would follow. Not a penance. And yet David, who did way worse than Saul ever thought about doing, when he was confronted with his sin, said, whatever the judgment is, I'm deserving. He threw himself at the mercy of God. That is, that is mourning. Godly mourning. A godly row. It is a paradox. It's opposite of what we see or think. But notice, secondly, this morning, I want you to consider the progression of the statement. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. The progression. It falls on the heel of the first thought, blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, the poor in spirit are, are they, they, those who have come to the end of themselves, they realize I can't. It's like when, when, when God confronted Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go into Egypt. Moses said, God, I can't do that. You never get saved until you realize you can't save yourself. You never live good until you realize you're not good. Isn't it funny? The scribes and Pharisees of the New Testament stunk to high heaven, but they could not smell themselves. But everyone who was not them could smell them. I'm going to tell you something this morning. 
mine and your self-righteousness smells so bad of unrighteousness. Tell me about when you got saved. Well, I started going to church. And so I start listening. Okay, mother, they're going to tell me about when they got to church and they got saved. Tell me about when you got, well, I started going to church and, and then we just going to church. Tell me about when you got saved. Are you hearing me this morning? Tell, tell me about when, when, when you came to Jesus under conviction, uh, you were convicted of you were a sinner who needed to be saved. Well, we, I, we, we, I, 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 I'm here. I'm here. No. Blessed are they that mourn. Tell me about, I don't, you know, I don't care about your day you got saved. I don't care about the date you got saved. I don't care about the hour you got saved, but I want to hear, and it's not that I want to hear, but it's that God wants to hear, it's that you need to hear. Tell me about the moment in time when by faith you realize I need a Savior. I am a sinner, and that's poor in spirit. Why do you need a Savior? Because you can't save yourself. And as that revelation hits you, I need a Savior. Along with that, oh, my sin. The weight and the darkness and the depravity of my sin. And I'll tell you what, I didn't realize that very much when I got saved. I knew I needed a Savior, but the longer I've lived, the longer I've lived, the more I become aware that the nature that God saved me from is still alive and well in me. It bothers me more today than it ever has in my life. Paradox, but it's progressive. It falls on the heels of poor in spirit. It comes after poor in spirit, and it is a it is a, 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 a continual and a controlled awareness. I am a sinful person. And if God would have given me hell, he would have been just. Half of you are still trying to argue that. Well, I'm no, I'm no worse than so, so why would God put me in hell? You've never even come close to enter into the blessedness, blessedness of God. Why would God put me in hell? I'm, going, I'm better than so and so. Until the day that you come to the point where you kneel before God or you bow your head but you're broken before God and say, God, I deserve it all. Hey, some of you, and you're saved this morning but you forgot how that looks. And you're trying to protect your name. You're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to protect your testimony. And you're trying to protect what people think about you. And so you're not willing to just be honest and say, yeah, I messed up bad. It's my fault. I have watched people. And I know it because I recognize it because I've done it myself. I have watched people when they genuinely broke. You say, preacher, you're calling yourself the judge. Oh, absolutely not. I'm not the judge of genuineness. I'm not the judge of reality. I'm not the judge of what's in your heart. But I have watched people who have said, 
I've won. Whatever the outcome. I've learned from people who got themselves in a mess, who found themselves in trouble, but the Holy Ghost showed up in their life and said, you're in a mess, and instead of lying and covering when they were confronted with it, I've watched and I've learned and I've walked through it myself. I've watched as people say, you're right, there's no excuse. I'm wrong. And the floodgates burst open that were held back by the wall that was built by pride. That wall that pride had constructed. That wall, am I preaching to anybody this morning? That wall that pride had so meticulously built and, and stacked brick upon brick upon brick the moment that an individual like David said, God, it's me. I am the man. I am wrong. And breaks over that sin. There comes a flood that will break down every wall of pride. Morning. What we need this morning is a genuine, old-fashioned, Holy Ghost morning revival. We quit stiffening our collar and tightening our collar and walking around with our nose in the air in our righteous deeds, bragging our leadership and our position and the things that we've done and we fall before an almighty God on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night or at the house and say, God, I am a sinner of the worst sort. The apostle Paul started out, I'm not least of the apostles. He said, I'm right up there with them. All them apostles, I'm... I'm not the least among them. I'm talking about a saved man. I'm not the least of them. It wasn't very long and he said, well, I am the least of all the apostles. It wasn't very long before he comes to the end and he said, I'm the chief of sinners. How do you go from not being the very least of all the apostles to I'm, I'm, I'm probably the least of all the apostles to uh, I'm, I'm a sinner. To, I'm the chief of sinners. I'll tell you how you come into contact with who you really are. And if you're lost this morning, you need to realize you can't save yourself. You are desperate, hopeless. Religion won't get you in. You need to fall before God and get born again. Here this morning and you're saved and it's been a long time you bowed your proud head on an altar. It's been a long time since you raised your hand in sincerity and not show. It's been a long time since a tear went streaming down your eyes that was not self-pity going in your problems but was remorse over the in your life. What we need is a revival of mourning. Cain repented and found no place for it. Somebody said, see, he couldn't get saved. Absolutely not. He could have got saved. He didn't. He wanted to get back what he lost. And that's what most of us are upset about. And that's where most of our tears come from. We are upset about what we lost. 
The wages of sin is death, and sin is constantly killing you, and it's robbing you of your marriage. It's robbing you of your children. It's robbing you of your home. It's robbing you of your joy. It's robbing you of your peace. It's robbing you of your, of your intellect and your, and, your, and your ability to make rational thoughts. And, and when we come to the place where we realize, I've been reaping what I've been sowing, and it's really terrible, then we come to a place of tears and repentance in the form of, I want to get back what I lost. It's not repentance that will save you. It's not repentance that will change you. That is, I'm really upset that I lost that. You go spend $100 on drugs. I don't know that anyone here does. I hope not. You go spend $100 on drugs. In the moment, you think nothing of it because whatever you're trying to get is more valuable than that $100. But tomorrow morning when the drugs wear off and you realize, look what I've done to my family. Look what I've done with our bread money. And then you're upset and begin to weep and cry over the fact that you have no money to buy bread or gas. You've done in taking away. That, that, that is good. I mean, you ought to be, but that won't change anything because tomorrow you'll go do it again. But when you realize you spit in the face of God, you smack the holiness of God, uh, you, 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 you uh, could not discern the goodness of God in your life and your sin was sin against God. And that for which Jesus died makes it harder to go do that again. You know what we do? Number, number one, we have a false morning that is a show of, and we like it. There's pride in the woe is me stuff. I've been through so much, and I just, and we want people to know there's pride in that. Look what I'm able to endure. That's, that's not the same as blessed are they that mourn. Here's something else we do. Well, I just, I'm, we, we sink off into despair. Well, I'm just, I just can't do it. I just want to live, but I just, I, I just, I'm just not like y'all. There's something wrong with me, and uh, I just can't get over this sin. I'm just, I'm just done. There's no more, I can't live it. Oh, y'all hear me this morning. I'm not going to read my Bible. Every time I do, God speaks to me and I feel bad. I just can't do it. And they sink off in despair. Go drink themselves to death, drug themselves to death, or commit suicide because they have believed the lie that there's nothing that can be done about it. And that's not even mourning over sin. This is mourning over your inability to get free from it. Mourning over sin. God, I chose it. See, that makes you feel better. There's nothing I can do about it. It's a disease. I got it. Ain't nothing I can do about it. I got a disease. You can put that on as a badge of honor too. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. We like our diseases. What I just—you can go to any psychologist or counselor, and they'll label you any disease you want. Well, what's your problem is you have a disease. That disease, that addiction, is a disease. No, that addiction is a sin. And we'll come to see. I found out. I'm not bad. I got a disease. 
It makes me bad and there's nothing I can do about it. To the wife, sorry honey, I got a disease. Nothing I can do about it. To the husband, sorry honey, I got a disease. Nothing I can do about it. We'll tout that like a badge of honor. I've got permission. I got a disease. <laughs> Blessed are they that mourn. God, I ain't got no blessed disease. God, it ain't that I couldn't help it. God, it ain't that I, I tried not to, but, but, but it overcome me. God, I sin. I've chosen sin every time. I'm a sinner. I was a sinner before you say me. And I am apart from the grace of God. It is a sin problem. And when you begin to mourn over sin, business is picking up. Oh, progression. Peter said, Lord, not, not me. I'll deny you. Before the cock crew that night, he said, I know him not. And he looked over his shoulder and he saw Jesus walking by. The Bible said he wept bitterly. <laughs> Lord, look what I did. That'll make you not want to ever do it again, won't it? And it's not put on and fake and show. It's acknowledgement of sin. Samuel or Nathan came to David. David, I'll tell you a story. See if you can judge it. One man stole another man's one little lamb. the only one he had and stole it. What do you think ought to happen, David? David said, I think we ought to kill the man. <laughs> Nathan, the prophet, said to David, Okay, but thou art the man. You're a thief, David. You're a murderer, David. You're a liar, David. You're a con, David. Thou art the man. You're a sinner. David hid his face before God. He said, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, I'm glad for the day. And it needs to be more in my life. I'm glad for the day and the days heavy under conviction of sin I have had to agree with God Paul Romans 7 been saved over 25 years I believe when he writes Romans 7 oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death he said, I find in a law in me that when I would do good, I do it not. That, that I would not do, that I do. He's mourning over sin. He don't think it's cool. He don't explain it away with everybody's doing it. He said, it's a problem that stayed with me. He's groaning, oh wretched man that I am. 
Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful this morning to have a little bit more, oh, wretchedness in us. The paradox of progression, let me give you this morning the product, or maybe a better word that I could use, not a better word that the Bible used, I, I use this, would be the, the, the product or the promise. Chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let me give you quickly this morning another verse that backs this up. And there's several of them in your Bible. It's actually a theme in your Bible. If you look at the word mourn throughout the word of God, you'll find out that it's something God's telling his people to do. Have I lost y'all? The word mourn, it's something, you look at the theme of the word of God, it is something many times, most of the time, that God is commanding his people to do. He said, I want you to mourn. James uh, chapter number four, verse one. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses Know you that not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he that giveth, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 7, watch this now. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God... And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9, I want you to see it. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. He said, the reason you can't get along with anybody, the reason you're fighting with everybody, the reason why sin is running rampant in your life, the reason why you're so proud and you're so bigoted and you're so biased and the reason why you're so loud and opinionated and the reason why there's war in your life everywhere you go is because you've never humbled yourself and what you need, he said, here's the remedy. What you need is a good old-fashioned dose of affliction that you bring yourself down and mourn and weep over who you are. There ain't nobody in here likes that. And half of you don't agree with it. And the other half of you, that some of you get it, but some of you, well, I don't agree with that. Maybe not. Maybe everyone in here agrees with it because it's Bible. But you've just decided, I'm just going to let that one go on. He'll come back and preach another one later. Go act like I didn't hear this one. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Watch this. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. I thought the Christian life was supposed to all be happy, 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 joy, joy, laugh, laugh, laugh. Jesus said you need to quit laughing start weeping. I could have come in here this morning. All right, glad to have you at Cool Church. It's good to be in cool church this morning. Clap your hands if you're happy. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Cool church. We want you to feel good this morning. 
You go to that church, it makes you feel bad. We're glad you're here. We want you to feel good, man. Everybody say, I feel good. No, 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 no. We're in Augusta. You got to put that in there, you know. I feel good at cool church where everybody is happy. Now let's laugh, cackle. Jesus said, what you need, you want revival, you want help, you want God to fix your home, you want God to fix your mess, you want God to fix your life. What you need is to fall before God, quit laughing and looking for everything in your life to make you happy and you need to recognize that the only happiness comes from holiness and the only holiness comes from Christ and to weep and to mourn over sin will produce happiness in your life. You say, I don't believe that. Well, let's read the Bible. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The mourner shall be comforted. When a sinner becomes a mourner, it leads him to repentance, and it leads him to comfort from the comforter. When a Christian gets sorrowfully with a godly sorrow and a contrite spirit over his sin, leads him to a brokenness that the Lord God will come by and say, it's all right now. As long as you were saying, it's all right, I'm all right, God wasn't saying it's all right. Oh, I'm nearly done, but y'all gotta hear me now. While you're over here saying, it's all right, everybody be happy. Not a word from the Lord. But you say, you know, it's not all right. I'm not all right. God, I'm a man. God said, it's all right, David. We're going to deal with that sin, but you're my son. <laughs> Saul said, it's all right. God never said a word except, no, it's not. Judas said, it's all right. God never said a word except, no, it's not. Peter said, it's not all right, as he wept bitterly. David said, it's not all right. As he wept before God in Psalm 51, and God come by and said, no, but it's all right now. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Oh, bless his dear name. I'm not what I used to be. Blessed are they that mourn. Let me read to you this morning Psalm 51. David's psalm of repentance. I think we need to hear it. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only. Have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest? Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Watch this. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. If I could bring you some money to make me feel better, God, I would. If I could bring you a lamb to make me feel better, I would. I could make this right by something I could bring. There ain't nothing I wouldn't bring. Thou desires not sacrifice else, would I give it? Thou delightest not in burnt offering the sacrifices of God. He said, what you want from me are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. <laughs> what you want from me a broken spirit and a contrite heart. I said it a minute ago, I'll say it again and done. At Calvary, sin of sin, sinners placed on Jesus. The weight of that sin on him, the depths and the darkness of that sin on him took that bitter cup of sin. God the Father looked away in those three hours of darkness. The sun didn't shine. The thief responded in salvation. The Roman soldier, surely, says the Son of God. The rocks were rent. The veil was torn. All as a reaction to the weight of sin on the Savior. Yet week after week after week we walk in these doors and we get our Bibles and we walk around with our pompous, arrogant attitude of, well, I got sin, but it's not that bad. And yet it is that bad. And the only comfort that will ever come is when you recognize and you fall before him comes along and says okay you're forgiven if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us you're forgiven let me ask you a question have you ever known the joy of real forgiveness from God if not you don't know happiness have you ever been so messed up and so bad and you knew it and you realized it and then God you told God and wept over it and and told God, and God said, I forgive you. You've never known happiness until you've been that far low. Most good church people don't know what being happy looks like. That's why we look sour in church. It's been too long before since we said, God, I was in a mess. God, I'm wrong. God, I confess. And he said, I forgive you. Woo! There's some happiness that comes with that. 
Hallelujah, praise the God, praise the God of glory follows that. And then he makes you free. I don't have to do that no more. I don't have to carry that guilt no more. Oh my goodness. Isn't guilt heavy? Isn't it heavy? I'm trying to quit preaching, but isn't it heavy? Isn't the weight of guilt and shame heavy? But God, blessed are they that mourn. He said when you get done mourning over it, when you really get upset about it, you bring it to God. Blessed are they that mourn. He said, uh, it's all right. You don't have to care no more. It's under the blood. Fullness. David said, I will, I'm gonna serve you. If you'll cleanse me, I'm gonna go live. I'll have a purpose to live. What do I need to do to get saved, preacher? You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. What do I need to do to get victory in my life? I need to realize you're a sinner. Your sin is light and innocent and as easy as you think it is. Has weight that you can't bear. Come to the piano. I'd ask God, I have. God, would you keep me contrite? Sometimes I go to the altar on purpose just because I don't want to get too accustomed to not going. Sometimes there's nothing God's saying you need to go to the altar and deal with this. Sometimes I go just because I don't want to make a custom of not going, a habit of not going. Blessed are they. I promise to you this morning, and I'm done preaching. I'm going to make a promise to you. You'll never find the happiness you're looking for, ever, until you find it at the foot of the cross, broken over your sin, repented in your heart. Really, that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will bring about that kind of repentance. And surrender to the will of Christ in your life, Christian, will bring about that kind of repentance. Whatever happiness you're looking for, Solomon said, I looked everywhere. Everything. Never found it. You can do three things this morning. You can deny the problem. You can admit it, but try to fix it yourself in your own power. Or you can confess it and run to God for forgiveness and help. Mourning. You'll find comfort. Let's stand this morning. Lord, we thank you. In Christ's name, bless the preaching. Amen.